Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our podcast. For those of you that just joined us uh, in the last half hour, we had the OCSC Derby uh, between myself and Michael Rodriguez. Now it's time for us to analyze that match, talk about how it went. If you didn't watch it, we'll let you know who won. Uh, and we'll talk about some other wonderful soccer-related stuff. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. And it's in! Darwin Jones with the response for Orange County. And it is a massive one. Austin Bold dominant in the last 10. Forrester in the middle now. Gets around a few defenders. Forrester with the outside of the foot. What a strike by Mary Forrester. It's the opening goal for Orange County. Heads it down. Back post. Opportunity and a goal. A beautiful goal by Orange County. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast presented by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. We are the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I am with you each and every episode, as well, except for one. But as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club, uh, joining me as he does since day one, uh, and he has more appearances than I do on this show, that is Dylan from Candleland Coalition. Dylan, how are you doing after a wonderful evening of virtual soccer? I'm doing well. Um, it was a wonderful evening. Actually, a really good time calling your game this week. I thought it was my best, which is not saying a lot. But and I'm enjoying some ice cream now. So all in all, <laughs> victory ice cream night. for for you because you're an Orange County fan. Orange County won, regardless of which uh, of us won, either between myself and my opponent, Michael exactly. Rodriguez, who we will introduce in just a few moments. But before we get to him. We got to introduce our other co-host here on the podcast, down from San Diego. Although we didn't hear much of his voice on the stream of the match because of some technical issues, but he he chimed in a little bit here and there. That is uh, a Underwood forty eight from the Twitter machines in San Diego. Alan, how are you doing, man? Good. I think uh, I think it's funny that it's the corresponding Dylan's best show is the one where I talk the least. Um, <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. I think that uh, has. I was gonna I say. I was gonna say something about that, Alan. But I was gonna was, wait to see if you brought that I, up. I mean, that's all I heard was like I had my best show, and my best call because Alan didn't say anything. <laughs> so um, that's all I heard. Things are going well. Um, you know, it's a nice breezy, sunny day in San Diego, and everything's great. It's nice and breezy here in Orange County today, too. I know. Uh, Typically, when I'm working from home, I throw a, I open up the kitchen window, which is right behind me at my workstation on the kitchen table, and then also our sliding door. Uh, and we it was actually getting really cold. There was a nice breeze coming through. Um, so yeah, if you're having some breeze, uh, nice nice cool breezes down there, we're also having them here in Orange County. Oh, by the way, we have a guest on with us too, um, just off of an amazing three one victory in the EUSL uh, over yours truly in what we can, I guess, call an upset, because when you look at the standings coming into the match, 
Uh, I was doubled up on points, I believe, on this this gentleman, and he put on a show and definitely made me look horrible. Uh, I guess we could say that. That's Michael Rodriguez. He's from the uh, Kenline Coalition, Orange County fan. Michael, welcome to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Thanks for having me, guys, and sorry about the loss, Ray. Hey, no worries. You know, if anything, <laughs> uh, I think Dylan mentioned this was probably one of his favorite matches to call so far this season of mine because it was actually a pretty competitive match in a loss for me. Uh, Dylan brought up the just sort of blowout, the the what didn't look so bad, but it was probably worse than it looked against the. Uh, Dalton Knutson from uh, Omaha. Uh, you pretty much made me look silly out there as well. Typically, I'm very solid on defense, and for whatever reason, I couldn't figure out what was going on there. I'm just going to straight up say this right now. I'm going to blame the lag that we had in our match. It was throwing me off completely. That's the reason you were able to beat me, and that's the only thing I'm going to say on that. No, I'm joking. Um, how, how, how is it? Uh, what was your plan coming into this match? Because I know we've had one practice match or, or, you know, friendly heading into this. I don't know if you've checked out any of my other matches or, or seen what I've done in this, this league so far. I, I've watched one or two of your matches. Um, what were your plans coming into this match and how did you pull off uh, an amazing three, one victory over yours truly? Um, I've watched a couple of your matches as well, but I was mainly just focusing on defense. Uh, just trying not to dive in as much, keep my back line solid. I think it works. Um, I wasn't really trying to get counterattacking goals, but you know, <laughs> That's just how it worked out. So, um, Dylan, I'm going to hand it off to you. What were your thoughts on that uh, that match? Uh, what did Michael do that uh, led him to the victory there? Uh, he shot a cross goal. Um, Michael, before I even ask about whatever Ray just said, how are you? I don't think Ray asked. I think he just <laughs> talked for like 90 seconds. I, I think I think he just wants to. I don't think he wants to introduce me since he's just a little salty from that loss. Oh my God, but... you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. But I'm doing great. Uh, just working from home today, doing some homework and kicking some butt on FIFA. So, you know. You, you love to see it. Um, yeah, so what did you really expect was going to happen in this match? Honestly, I had no idea. I was just trying to get a win. I didn't, I, like I said, I'd watched one or two of Ray's games, but I didn't know, I, I, based on the standings, I thought it was going to be kind of like a draw or a loss for me. So, you know, I played a couple games today and they didn't go too well. So this one was much better. You were an Orange County side with Christian Duke in the midfield. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we miss Christian Duke. Why do you have to bring him up, Dylan? Where's my dookie? <laughs> Um, Alan, let me throw it over to you. Do you have any uh, thoughts on this match? Questions? What do you got to say? Um, I think this is reminiscent of some of your other losses where I think you have long, like sections of games where you dominate possession, you keep the ball in your attacking half, you do everything right except finish. And then your opponent, uh, finds those few little holes and is way more, um, ruthless in their attack. And they and they get some goals, uh, so there's a couple games this season where it's like you score none, um, or like the Giovinco off the off the crossbar, um, a little bit unlucky, but um, I I think you can't be mad, but you can be frustrated. I think those, that's the worst. Like when you play like me, you can get mad. Like I, I play terribly, but but 
uh, in this case, I thought you played well. Uh, it was just that's the way soccer works. Sometimes you can outplay a team for eighty percent of the game, but that twenty percent, he gets three, you get one. That's you know, that's it. Well, there's a there's a reason why when I play pro clubs, I play defense. I, I don't. I'm not good at scoring and shooting um, the ball, and I mean that shows with some of the shots uh, from Gomez. There was one I think on a cross where he basically just whiffed the ball and barely got his like shoelaces on it. So it was, didn't put any trouble for the goalkeeper for Michael. And there was uh, another one, Giovinco off the crossbar. I did, I, I'm just horrible shooting the ball and that's been my downfall. So for the season, there's probably been so many matches where I should have scored, uh, you know, twice as many goals if I had, uh, as, as I did in the match, including this one, I should have at least had two, if not more. Um, Michael, how has the season been going so far in the US? So I know it hasn't been the most successful of seasons, um, you've had some tough, tough losses there uh, yeah. from the, I've watched. Uh, how, how's, how have you felt? How has the competition been for you? And, and what are you expecting for the remainder of this season? I feel like the competition's kind of all over the place. Like there's some games where I'm tying. I have four draws, I believe. So there's some where it's like a last minute, like draw against Celtic. That was a heartbreaker. And uh, or it's like I play someone who beats me 7-0. Five zero, so it's kind of just all over the place sometimes. So, um, you know, there's there's definitely really good players in this, and then there's me who kind of just picked this up once quarantine started, and I was like, hey, might as well jump on and start playing. So this is the first time I played FIFA since maybe two three games ago. So, uh, was it the club partnership with Rangers that led you to pick Rangers as your club, or? Yeah, kind of. I I think. I'm not sure if I talked to Ray about it, like who he was using. Um, and then I was just kind of looking for a 3.5 star team. And then I saw that they were that they were one. And then I played one or two games with them online and I kind of clicked with them. So I just, I've literally been using them in like seasons, like for the past, like six, seven seasons. So everything's so been just trying, well to get, trying to get the hang of, of how yeah. they work and, and, and work it. And I, I think that's a benefit for someone that basically picked a team and just stuck with the team and have, have gone with it is um, you sort of learn the players, learn who to do what with. And it shows um, in this match that you've been utilizing Rangers. You sort of knew what to do, where to go with it um, and, and how to play that match. I sort of switched mid season, which maybe has hampered me a little bit. Um, I'm still Excuses trying to figure right. out, still trying to figure out Ahalal. <laughs> Uh, uh, just switching from uh, Spartak Moscow. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm full of excuses tonight. I I, I will admit it. I'm a little salty. I, sh- I I feel like I I came in thinking I should have won this match, and unfortunately I didn't do it. But I, I give you all the props, Michael. You 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 worked me there. I, I you had me actually pretty confused on defense, which um, you can ask Dylan Allen. I'm not typically too confused on defense. I typically <laughs> am pretty solid on the back line as far as at least getting the stop. And even my poorly rated goalie in every match except for this one has come away with at least three or four big saves. And this one, I think he only had one where he was actually able to make the save um, on the back line there. Um, so props to you on that. Thank you. Uh, where, where do you see yourself going the remainder of this season? Uh, and is this something you plan on continuing if the if the league keeps going? Or is this going to be sort of uh, you tried it out now? Let me spend my time elsewhere. I mean, it's kind of just one of those things where, I mean, if, it's not like I'm not doing anything. I have other things I'm doing as well. Um, but this is kind of just something fun. And, you know, there's a whole community around this now. So I think it's cool to talk to other people that are involved in USL, especially other fan bases and stuff like that. So that's been cool to talk to some of the guys. 
And as for where I plan to finish, <laughs> it was funny because two, three games ago, I was just like, okay, as long as you're not bottom of the table, you know, you're cool. But I'm hoping somewhere mid-table finish. But So, so you've, changed, you've changed from <laughs> as long as I'm better than Allen in the standings at the end of the season. So now let me get at least mid-table, maybe even be better than Ray. I will not be bottom of the table. I'll be really <laughs> are saving, close. Are you saving that for Phil? <laughs> I'm just saying there's some guy named, he's just BYE, I think, on there. Um, I think he's doing terribly. It's 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 one of those weird things, too, because you had some of these people that jumped on, probably not realizing how how long this season would go or, or what it was going to be because we had probably, what, a good three, four, maybe five dropouts league-wide. Um, mm-hmm. Since the beginning, uh, maybe even more than that, um, Alan luckily jumped on as as a, a replacement, which has been awesome watching some of his matches. He tends to keep them closed for about the first 40 minutes and then um, forgets that the matches are two halves or something about that. Um, I know I, watching one of your streams, I think recently, Michael, you had a similar experience where like you actually held it, kept it competitive for like a half. And then all of a sudden the opponent's like, oh okay, I was supposed to win by six. Let me just score six goals really quick. What does it it feel like? I'm going to ask you first, then I'll ask Alan um, how he feels when that happens. What does it feel like when that happens to you in one of these matches where, uh, you know, you're keeping it competitive and then all of a sudden the the opponent just jumps away? That'll be for you, Michael. Oh, sorry. Um, I mean, like, I I think I know which game you're talking about. I played in the Phoenix guy. Um, Yes. And I was, you know, 20, 30 minutes in, and it was still nil-nil. And he got one, he got two, and then at the second half, I think he got four more. Um, <laughs> and then I remember I talked to you about it, and then I said, I looked at the standings afterwards and saw that he was in first place. And I was like, okay, I don't feel as bad anymore. Because I was like, man, that sucks. <laughs> like, but, you know, like I said, there's a, a variety of different play player levels in the league, yeah. so... Yeah, Alan, do you, you share the same type of experience uh, as Michael there as far as um, you, you keep it close and then all of a sudden it's just you look at scoreboard and now you're down by six or seven? Yeah, I think it's been like every game. and I've lost by like three or four goals every game, but it's like I'll be within a goal or maybe even two if I'm playing terribly until like the 60th or 70th minute. And then he'll just score like it, it seems like 42 goals in a row every shot he takes is just a goal and just like <laughs> another one and another one and another one and it's like um who's that terrible dj that keeps saying that um tj khaled or there you go khaled. um so <laughs> I, that's what i feel like sometimes it's like i play really well and there's like a 10 minute window from like the 70th to 80th minute that it's like 40 goals go in and it's like it's just so frustrating sometimes to play that well for so long and then just can't seem to stop the bleeding. And then I'll get like a late goal and I'll feel good, like putting the game away. Cause I'll like, <laughs> I'll nick one in like the 90th minute to make it six to two instead of six to one. Uh, so it's like ah, a little bit of a, that's two weeks in a row. I've done that. Like a little bit of a consolation goal. So it yeah. feels like a little good when the game's over for me, even though I lost. Well, I, I want to say this. I've listened to both of your streams when those happen. And it, it's interesting when you hear just sort of the tone of the voice and the reactions to goals as the game goes on. Um, Alan's typically a very, like, happy-go-lucky guy. You listen to him on the podcast. He sounds like a, a, a sweet guy. But when he gives up that sixth goal in the second half, all of a sudden you could just – you can even hear him wanting to just, like, just start cussing out the the, the <laughs> microphone and, and on his stream and just sort of dropping every 
every F-bomb, S-bomb, uh, whatever word he could think of, you could just hear that. And I think um, you could probably uh, relate to that, Michael. I think I've heard that into you, like in mm -hmm. some of these matches where like, you just, I don't know, you just want to scream, right? You just want to just like, yeah, <laughs> like, let's just end this, man. Screw this type thing. But um, props to both you guys. And, and I do the same thing. I, you know, I, if I get blown out, I'm just going to jump back on. I don't care. It's, it's fun for me. I, yes. I want to win. I'm a competitive person, but in the end, this is just, you know, this is a fun league. This is fun. And it's, it, it is like you said, Michael, a chance for us to find other FIFA players to sort of interact with that are also USL fans. So now you've met uh, or at least interacted with USL fans across the mm -hmm. nation uh, for all these teams. And, and, you know, I know Alan's jumped on the pro clubs. I don't know if you've jumped on the pro clubs at all, yeah. Michael, uh, but you get to sort of, uh, talk to some of these other fans and actually interact with them on there because you're now doing like the voice chats and whatnot. Um, I want to move on to some other soccer stuff, but before I do, Michael, I don't know if you have, you know, you have to head out or if you want to hang out with us a little bit longer, what you want to do. It's totally up to you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can hang out. I kind of saw the, the itinerary that you sent. I watched some of the, the things we're going to talk about. You guys are going to cool. talk. About, so. Cool. Yeah, I just, I, I, you know, I, I never know when we have a guest on if we have other more interesting or just more real things to do than than talk soccer slash video games on a soccer podcast when there is no real soccer for us to cover, but we try to do our best. Um, let's do this and let's head on over to some other soccer stuff because Dylan's just sitting there with a uh, a cat in his lap. Um, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Sounds very Dr. Seuss. <laughs> well, I could have gone with some other that. terms that wouldn't have been as PG, so I decided to go with cat in a lap. Um, let's... <laughs> Are you I have my hands firmly grasped on my feeling. Firmly grasped. <laughs> All right. I, I don't want to know what that means, Dylan, so we'll just move on. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about this really quick. Um, other video game soccer news really quick. And I, I didn't put this on the itinerary, but I wanted to just briefly get there. Orange County loses again this week uh, in the USL E-Cup. I believe it was uh, Kevin Coleman, again, representing the club. Uh, they took on Tulsa, lost 4-1. Uh, quick thoughts on this. I'll go to you first, Alan. I was going to say, it sounds like me. <laughs> Dylan. Um, so I watched this match and it was kind of funny to watch some of, uh, Kevin's teammates start giving him some <laughs> stick through the match. Uh, I know Aaron Cervantes was watching, Frederick Du was watching, uh, Kevin Austin, Kevin Austin and Ugo Okoli were all watching and they, after it was like three nil at that point, they started to kind of land into him a bit. But that's what you get when you have unmatched teams. Um, it's pretty disappointing. I'm not going to lie. You've got like a two-star team playing, not in this situation, but you'll have like a two-star team playing a five-star team, and it's not even about who's better at that point. It's just about whether or not you have Kristen Pulisic on your team or Osala on your team or Paul Pogba if you're lucky enough to get France. Um, it becomes so much less fun to watch at that point. So I would say USL has been infinitely better despite the skill gap being substantially larger. And um, just so you know, Dylan, in case you weren't checking out our chats, we have someone watching on Periscope and or Twitter, Austin Tentacumbo, who's, I guess that's a play on the name of the famous basketball player with a difficult to say name, wanted to say hi to your cat. 
I'm sure she says hello. Um, Yeah, let's see. I heard a burp. There you go. That's good enough. (laughs) That's as Uh, much as you're getting from a cat. (laughs) That's true. Let me me jump to you, Michael. Uh, Your thoughts on the Orange County's, I guess, poor performance in the USL E-Cup so far, especially for a team that has a professional Mm -hmm. uh, gaming division on there? Yeah, I have. I actually haven't watched any of the games because they're always at random times. You know, they're like four thirty Pacific time, and I'm like, well, I'm doing something, you know. But yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I figured we would be doing better since we have, you know, an esports team and stuff like that. But I, we got just short stick with a pretty bad team, right? Who did we get? Like a Cameroon. Cameroon. Oh, they're not like terrible. They're mid, they're, I would say international wise, yeah. they're a mid table team. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the whole thing was kind of just like, it, it had potential, but I think they should have figured something else out. But, well, Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, I, I think, uh, props to the USL for trying to figure out ways to interact and, and provide content in, in the situation where, because, you know, they, they were one of the leagues that jumped on with, like, Rocket League and now trying to do the FIFA thing. Um, a, I felt like the FIFA thing was probably the way they should have gone first and foremost because it's legit soccer and soccer. You look yeah. at like the NBA, they went to NBA 2K to try and do something with that. Baseball is doing baseball. Um, so the fact that USL went with car soccer, although it's a soccer-related thing, seemed a little weird, although it seemed to work out, but there was a lot of questions about the the strategy there with the 1v1 instead of something else like a 3v3. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have worked. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think there's some pros and cons with what they've done with with their video game stuff at least they're trying i'll give them that um and the fact that they've gotten it on uh, espn channels has been pretty cool at least with the rocket league i don't know with the, the seems with the fifa it's more just local twitch based type stuff but it's still pretty fun um let's move on let's talk about did any of you catch any live soccer this weekend uh, you know, Bundesliga is back in action now. Uh, I'll go to you first, Dylan. Did you catch any Bundesliga action uh, on the televisions? Nope. I feel like I was being productive doing something, but I don't remember <laughs> what. But going yeah, for a bike ride? Oh, yeah, that's what I was doing. Um, no, I just don't particularly care that these leagues are like putting all these people at risk so that they can get advertising revenue and TV money. Uh, I don't stand that. All right. Well, we know where Dylan stands then. What about you, Alan? Did you catch any of the Bundesliga action uh, this weekend? I watched like about five and a half minutes of sports drinks, uh, uh, Leipzig's game, I believe, and about five (laughs) minutes of um, FC, Bayern, whatever. it was tough to watch. Um, it was it was reminiscent of like Swope Park Ranger games, <laughs> uh, where there's just nothing going on. You can hear the echo of like "sehr gut, sehr gut," and I was like, "Oh, he thought that was good." Um, it just felt weird. It felt uncomfortable. Um, I think, and that's not because necessarily of the empty stadium, but knowing what the empty stadium represents, I think made me the most uncomfortable. Like it's empty because of all of this shenanigans. It's not empty because no one shows up. It's like, you're used to hearing crowd noise and a buzz about the the pitch. 
that you just don't get when you watch it like that. And why it may be fine knowing that that's what you're going to expect because no one's showing up to a match. It's different knowing why there's that echo. And it just was a little bit unnerving. It was like a horror film almost where it's just, it, it just felt a little bit un like uncomfortable because of that, what that silence represented. It's weird because there's this desire for a lot of people to watch some sort of sport. I know people were excited about NASCAR. Uh, people that probably typically don't watch NASCAR and or soccer were excited that there was some sort of sport to watch. Uh, let me go to you, Michael. Did you watch any of these Bundesliga matches and what were your thoughts? Yeah, I watched the Dortmund Shackle game and then the energy drink game as well, like side by side. So I, I love that you call it shackle i'm not sure if that was like a mistake yeah, I don't, I, yeah it, i i can never figure out how to pronounce it so shalka but still they, likes to correct me when you pronounce something well, no but they routinely so. shackle themselves because they are the new york mets of the bundesliga which i think maybe our viewers will like understand but they are absolutely terrible all right yeah they got so over. funny it's great hopefully there's no german uh shackle fans that are going to come after you dylan they're going to come after you two for that <laughs> uh yeah i didn't catch any of the bundesliga stuff um i've just never gotten into anything outside of premier league and usl and mls um and i've been so busy with so many other things i haven't really had this like i need to watch live sport type of thing with that so i haven't got a chance to catch that i i may look if there's any replays when i have some downtime um on that but Definitely not something I've checked out. Uh, so uh, let's move on really quick. I just want some quick reactions on this. This is a story that came out this week. Um, I'm reading off of CNN's website. The title of this article is South Korean Football Club Apologize for Filling Stands with Sex Dolls. This was FC Seoul uh, to make it, I guess, look more like a realistic game in their stands. They had some cardboard cutouts but they also had what turned out to be sex dolls. Apparently people watching the match started going on to social media and saying, hey, I recognize those. Those are not regular old mannequins. Those are sex dolls, which has me right. question, how do these people know that these are sex dolls? But hey, um, it is what it is. Just quick thoughts on this though. Let me go to you first, Michael, on this one. Uh, what are your thoughts on Soul or FC Soul putting sex dolls in their stands to make it look like there's, I guess, real fans? You know, at first I, I thought it was a joke and then I kept seeing tweets about it. And I mean, I thought it was funny, but I get the whole thing where some, you know, the sexual harassment stuff or some, I don't know, the league was going to look into it because they're not supposed to have any sexual advertising in their stands and stuff like that, which I totally get. But I thought it was funny. And <laughs> I mean, <laughs> everyone, I mean, with everything going on, like everyone's just trying to have some fun, make the best out of a situation, I guess. Like, you know, apparently part of the reason why these types of, I guess, things were used in the stands is they're easily posable. Apparently, uh, Alan, what are your thoughts on sex dolls in the stands in Korea? Um, well, the South Korean unemployment rate for sex dolls is incredibly high. You would think it would be the other way around, but I think they're just trying to find some work in these tough economic times. And look, if they're the ones that can make that sacrifice to go watch a soccer match live because they're robots or fake, then let's give those jobs the people who can do them the best. 
So um, I'm not very concerned. I think it's a little bit inappropriate that people are attacking these sex dolls as if it's, you know, their cho- it's, it's a choice that they make. It's a job. And we should treat them with respect as the humans that they are. Yeah. Um, you know, probably not the virus. Yeah. You know, coronavirus, probably not the virus they have to worry about getting or the viral infection that they have to worry about getting. <laughs> if we're going to continue with this like low hanging comedic effort, but um, <laughs> Alicia uh, Rodriguez from our good friends. Angels on Parade. Angels on Parade. Thank you. I couldn't remember what it was called. I was like, Bulls on Parade? <laughs> Obviously, where they got the uh, the name from. The reference. Yes. But she said she was struggling with like why people thought it was a big deal. And I was in the same way because they were dressed in clothes. And they weren't in vulgar poses or suggestive poses <laughs> at all. Like, it's just someone probably like someone in the marketing budget had like a thousand dollars or something. And they were like, yeah, let's, let's buy a bunch of sex dolls and some clothes for them and throw them in the stands. So it looks like people, there are much more pressing issues that face us, but this is definitely where we should, this is definitely the hill we should all die on. So you're disappointed that I even brought this up then Dylan. No, I think it's, I thought it was hilarious, but I really just, I don't see how this was the issue and they were dressed again they were dressed so imagine being the person that's like excuse me guys well that's that's the big question right is is really it it's the people that that notice this with these dolls like dressed up like normal fans it it, like dylan said not in any kind of promiscuous pose or anything like that they're like holding up signs or giving a thumbs up so these people sort of looked at this and recognized hey that looks just like my my toy that's in the closet type thing or, or or that's in you know the toy that's in my living room or whatever wherever it might be i don't know why someone would keep one of these in a living room but you never know props to the people that do that if they want to um so i thought that was probably the more interesting thing there is is that uh, someone's recognizing these as sex dolls and apparently the team has to come out and say yeah actually you know what they were we didn't realize it for an example and why would you admit that you recognize that just <laughs> have some shame people <laughs> I know we're like 10 weeks into this, but you need to still have some shame. All right, let's move on to something a little bit more interesting um, or more real, I guess. Let's just say it that way. Uh, the USLPA uh, basically released a statement, I believe it was earlier today, correct, Dylan? Uh, that uh, basically setting some standards that they want the league to follow as far as pay um, and whatnot. Dylan, I'm going to go to you on this one because I actually didn't get to read the full of the letter. I'm sure you have because you love to read things, uh, Dylan. So just give a quick overview of what's going on with this. I don't know why you wouldn't go to Alan, the guy who is actually in a union for the second time in a row. But here we are. Um, the league via the owners, because that's how you get things done. Basically, what last week or two weeks ago, suggested that all the players take a pretty big pay cut. Um to stave off some of the economic losses that are absolutely going to be sustained during this pandemic. And the players kindly said, no, um, they proposed they've, they've bargained if you will, um, or countered with a different proposal where, uh, I think what the top earners are only those who make over $2,000 a month. will take a 10% pay cut. Uh, but only if there are certain conditions met in future, 
seasons, like a minimum of $20,000, which is, as uh, Cameron Millage pointed out on Twitter earlier, a terribly low amount of money. <laughs> but I'm glad to see that the players are taking a stand here. I think it's insane to ask players to try and play during a pandemic. There's way too many moving parts. There's just way too much staff involved. And there's way too much travel in a league uh, in a country this size for it to actually be safe. And I do not understand how you could ask someone who's maybe making $30,000 a year, hey, this really rich guy is going to lose 30K or, you know, he's probably got insurance on these contracts. So he's going to have to claim on that. Um, but, you, you know, you make 30K. So why don't you put everyone around you at risk so you can play? It just... Alan, bring us back up. Mr. Union, share with us your thoughts on this. Um, so when the P Players Association was first announced, I think the biggest um, question mark was how do USL players create leverage against the league? Because in negotiations, it's all about if you have more leverage, you can get more done. You can get more done on your side, right? If you have no leverage, you're at the whim of the owners. Um, and if you if you follow most major sports, there are some sports where the players have a lot more leverage and a lot more power and they get a lot more out of it versus other leagues where they don't. And the owners really take um, I wouldn't say take advantage, but we can say take advantage of some players um, and and the talent that they produce. Uh, so that was the big question. How do USL players create leverage in a negotiation? They have leverage now. Because the team and owners are hemorrhaging money. Now, they have recognized the union, so the union is official. The union has said, we won't bargain for how we restart. We will follow whatever lead the league wants. But we want to bargain over money and the what the players are getting paid. Now, the owners are in a position of having to pay these contracts. The players are saying the only way we're taking a pay cut is if you bargain with us for a pay cut. That immediately puts the players in a position of strength or more strength than they would have. And they're going to use this strength to create some minimum requirements. And then once you get those minimum requirements on paper and signed, you have to bargain away from them, which means in good times, you can bargain from that basement up. So you're like building a house. So the problem with players having zero leverage is they're not building a whole lot at the bottom because they don't have a lot. They can't ask for a lot, but now that they can, they were smart to point out that the owners offered a baseline salary saying we won't go below 15 or 18. If you're not getting housing, the player said, Oh, look, you agree that we should have a baseline figure. This should be the baseline figure. And now we're going back and forth. And what you're seeing is a little bit of bargaining out in the open where the players weren't before they're I think in a little bit stronger position where they need to be vocal about what they're asking for. Because I think that when it boils, when people find out how little some USL players are making fans will be like, wait, what? And the players will have the support of their communities and support of their supporters groups. Let me go to you really quick, Michael. First, let me ask you, did you think you would get like a, a crash course in unions uh, jumping on our podcast and what are your thoughts on on all this with the the union announcement i did not but i'm glad i have more information on it now thanks alan um i did look in you know i was looking into this earlier uh i think that, like alan said the most eye-opening thing is like how much um like 
asking only for 20,000. And it's crazy to think that a professional soccer player makes less than that or, you know, makes $20,000 a year. Um, you know, I, I knew they didn't get paid a lot and especially with housing and stuff like that, but like, you can't live off that really, you know, in California at all. So it's just, it's just very eye opening, and, you know, I hope the players get what they want. I know it's probably going to take a little bit longer, but you know, we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see where this goes. Um, you know, most professional sports in the United States, there's some sort of union to back the players and interact and negotiate with the owners. Um, it's one of those uh, professions where you probably need that. It's it's something. Uh, there's some jobs where you may not always need to be in a union just because either uh, the company is just a great company or whatnot. But in, in some instances, like with <laughs> Alan's like shaking no, but uh, in some instances like this with sports where uh, it, it sort of like, I feel like a lot of times more in contract type professions is where you really need these. You need sort of this, this backing from a group and, and something on there. So this maybe and hopefully will help out the players um, yeah. into the future and whatnot. Now, to be fair, to be fair, um, the USL has been rather uh, supportive of the union already by, by voluntarily recognizing them and voluntarily recognizing League One. Um, I think that they've been responsive uh, to the union. Um, so I don't want this to come out as like the USL is a terrible league and they're taking advantage of the players. Like to a certain extent, yes. And I think there, there are USL players that do get paid more than 20K a year. But I think what is stark is that there are League One players that probably make way less than that. Um, and that it is a little bit shocking. Now, most teams have come out and said if if there is a pay, pay or play cut, uh, player pay cut we aren't going to do that and some uh league front office or some team front offices have said we're going to play 100 percent of our players regardless and kudos to those teams that do that um and it's also uh kudos to those teams that want to do right by their players and this is not a reflection on some of those teams who might end up taking a pay cut or who already pay their players this amount but uh this is more of a significant figure moving forward through negotiations um, so USL has done pretty well by their players in some aspects and made unionizing easy. Um, so congratulations, League Office, for doing the right thing for that. Um, and hopefully this doesn't get into some kind of ugly back and forth. I think 2000 is is a palatable amount that uh, the, the teams can do. And then it's, you know, up from there. So um there's a hashtag going around hashtag stand with players or stand with the players. Um, if you've seen it around a lot of USL uh, Twitter today, uh, give a shout out to them. Um, they're the guys wearing the crest for us on the pitch uh, and doing the work. Um, and I think a lot of the owners feel the same way as well. Perfect. Um, let's go ahead and move on. And we're going to do some really quick reactions to a couple of, of news stories going on. And then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap things up here. Uh, the first thing I want to just sort of bring up and just again, quick reaction on this. Um, so MLS has officially canceled their all-star game this season, along with some other tournaments and competitions they were planning on having or hosting or having this, this year, this season um, really quick. What are your thoughts on that quickly? And what are the, the thoughts uh, or what does that make you feel with the USL uh, and the chances we'll get something from that league this season. I'll go to you first, Dylan. Uh, who cares? Um, yeah, that's kind of the end of it. Like the guys that appear in the All Star game are the 
highest paid players in the league. It's a dumb exhibition. It's meaningless. And it's not even entertaining like the NBA one. So what's the point of having it <laughs> ever? Perfect. And thoughts on um, how does this have any thoughts on what you feel is going to happen with USL this season? I don't know if it has any thoughts on what is going to happen in the USL situation or <laughs> USL season this year. Um, I I don't see it really making a difference. I think the next three weeks are whether or not we come back in July or whether or not we come back at all this year. All right, Alan, what about you? What are your thoughts on the MLS canceling some of these uh, events and then thoughts on USL returning? I, I think it's it was bound to happen. I think maybe focusing on just league games and a shortened season. Uh, all these extra games in there and tournaments just elongate the season. I think that's what USL is going to have to do. Uh, they're not going to be able to play Open Cup, um, and that was pretty much the only extra – so I just think it's everyone's just trying to get some sort of regular season and modified playoffs in, and then that canceling those games just help. Uh, what about you, Michael? Basically what Alan said, um, it was expected and, you know, it was basically to limit congestion and scheduling. So um, as for USL, I don't really think it affects it as much. Um, everything's kind of just going to happen when it does. So. Perfect. And then sort of uh, piggybacking off of that, recently California Governor Gavin Newsom said sports could return by the first week of June, depending on how the numbers go over the next few weeks. I'll go back to you first, Dylan. Uh, does that give you some positive hope in seeing some live sports in California, although it may be, you know, no fans in the stands, some changes in the way things work? Um, do you, uh, does that excite you that we may see live sports or or are you not as hopeful? Um I'm not, I'm, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I'm actually worried for the players. Um, I would rather these guys get paid and be safe and not see them play another game in 2020 or for half of 2021. Cause I don't want these guys to get sick. Um, when you have States like Arizona, where 39% of the positive cases that they have are guys between the age of 20 and 45, that's as of Saturday. So who knows what it is now, but that's basically your youngest player on your roster up to your coach on a good amount of the teams in this league. Probably not great to have a team of 20 plus people. You know, you, you get the 18 that are match day squad, probably four coaches, a physio. So, you know, 25 guys traveling from state to state. There's just too much potential there for guys to get sick and have no idea for two weeks. Perfect. Uh, let me jump to you really quick, Michael. So Alan can't steal your answer. If you guys have the same answer this time. Um, I just think that, you know, nothing should really there, in the U S especially no leagues or any sport should really play until everything's kind of solved. Um, you know, it, it protects everyone, even us. So, I mean, if they start having games with fans, it's going to affect everyone. Um, and we just want to contain this as much as we can. So um, I know if the league even opens or any league starts opening this season, it's going to be um, a little hard to go to a game and not be worried or go to a game at all. Yeah, I know. Definitely feel you on that. Uh, uh, the scary part. And then also just sort of like, you know, you look at it, I know Dylan mentioned team, coaching staff, physios. You also mm -hmm. look at potentially teams will be having to find ways to have the media at these matches to help cover because 
um, that's part of sports is you want the media to cover you and, and, and share stuff. And I know speaking with some of the front office in Orange County, if and when sports do return, they're going to find a way to figure out how to get media coverage safely and what that's going to entail and stuff like that, which may mean media at these stadiums as well. Let me go to you, Alan, really quick, and then we'll wrap things up. Yeah, I think um, the if we restart, it should be empty stadiums, and I think it should be when the players are ready to come back. Um, I don't remember the guy's name from Watford, but he's been very vocal about his uncomfortableness returning to the pitch, and he's been getting a lot of gruff over that stance. Troy Deeney, yeah, thanks, uh, Dylan. Um, I think that's the most important thing, that this is their job, and would you go back to work if you're uncomfortable? If like people who just wanted you to come back were like, you need to go back to work. It's like, I don't feel safe for me and my family um, because we can't guarantee a protection and we can't guarantee that you won't get sick. I think once ever all the players are comfortable, yeah, doing an empty stadium, this is their job. Let's make sure they're getting, you know, they can earn a livelihood. Um but I don't think we as fans should expect sports to come back for us first. I think we need to make sure that the players and the coaches and the medical staff and all the people that Dylan mentioned are comfortable returning back to work and that we can guarantee their safety to a certain extent. Like we can't always guarantee their safety, but we can guarantee that we take the precautions necessary to make them feel comfortable. And then that's when we can, I would be saying, yes, I'll watch that game. Like when everyone, when the people involved say, yes, we feel safe. We feel like we won't get sick. They're doing this right. Then I'll be like, all right, I watch, I'll watch it safely from home or on a, on a device or something from somewhere um, until they can guarantee the fans or media safety. Yeah, and, and I can feel we got to all got to remember that these players are people too. Um, just like you and me, they have fears, they have loves, they have passions, they have families, they have friends, they have lives outside of sports. Um, so we got to make sure that they feel comfortable getting back into it. Um, and, and and we make it safe for them. I know there's a lot of people that can't make that decision. I know looking at our chats here, I believe our, our guest from last week um, out there in Florida uh, mentioned he sort of had to go back to work. He just really couldn't help it. He needed income, uh, and that can happen to a lot of uh, uh, people. So, uh, you know, just hoping with sports, we look at it as this, this is really like extracurricular entertainment for us as fans. These players are thinking of their safety, their livelihoods, their future, their families, and and their health. So we got to think of that. Um, and props to anyone that is out there doing, you know, working, um, putting their health at any kind of risk to to do what they have to do, whether it is make money or work at a place where or that needs to be open so that we can all go grocery shopping, eat. Um, and whatever that may be um, on there. Um, let's go ahead and get things wrapped up here just for time uh, purposes. We got to go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, Michael, just in case you didn't know, we typically wrap every episode up with a random thought. It does not need to be soccer related. It could be anything. Um, if you're like Dylan and you like to read, you can recommend a book. If you're like Alan, you can maybe teach us how to play trombone or how to represent a union. Um, if that's what you want to discuss, I'm going to go to you first, Alan, because you look disappointed in my comments. I think I repeated that last week. So um, go for it. My random thought is I cut my hair myself. Um, I chopped it off. My wife helped a little bit. Um, it feels amazing. Um, I know it might look a little bit ridiculous, but whatever. Um, I wear onesies with a hood and that have uh, disco stormtroopers on them. So um, that's who I am. So that's my random thought. I feel much more comfortable without 
crazy lengths of disgusting hair. Dylan, what about you? Uh, my poem this week is called Often I Am Permitted to Return to a Meadow by Robert Duncan. Uh, it's fitting because you can go outside and um, I just ask that you are a responsible person who goes outside and um, socially distances all that fun stuff. Yeah, stay away from me. I don't want to be in, well, not present company excluded. I don't want to be near people <laughs> ever. So, you know, but also uh, if you're sending your child to a university this fall, um, you're kind of a sucker. Send them to a community college instead. Um, that's where I learned how to read and how to write. And I saved community college, huh? so much money in the process. Your high school did not teach you how to read or write or your elementary school. Well, no, they, uh, Alan, what's going on in junior high? Not teaching kids how to read or write. He's a I band music, teacher. bro. I don't care if they can read or write. Oh, you know, I, I did learn how to read bass clef when I was in eighth grade. Well, I played piano before. Anyway. Um, yeah. Send your kids to community college because they're not going to be able to go to class anyway. And they're going to the exact same well experience. <laughs> the money. Yeah. And let them figure it out in a low pressure, uh, cost efficient scenario. Let me tell you, that's the way to live life. That's my pro yes. tip. If you have community <laughs> college questions, you know, my at. Well, and, and if we don't, we'll figure it out in just a few moments. Michael, what about you? What's a random thought that you have for our listeners? Random thought. Um, if you, I don't know, if you've been thinking about doing something during this isolation quarantine and you haven't done it yet, just do it. Um, I never thought I'd be running again, but I've started running what the past month and a half and it's been a great feeling. And so, you know, if there's something you didn't think you could really do, <laughs> just, just go yeah. out and do it, I guess. Yeah. There you go. Um, random thought for me, as you know, we've been just sort of uh, calling out local businesses without any monetary compensation because we want to try and do what we can to help out um, along with buying or, or spending money at these local businesses, just sort of representing them, talking about them. So um, earlier today, ordered a uh, some pizzas from a local pizza business, Porky's Pizza. They have nine locations in Southern California, all across Orange County, uh, a couple in Long Beach and a couple in Corona and Corona Hills, I believe. Um, so get a chance if you want to order some pizza, order from them, support some local businesses um, that are trying to do their best to stay open and, um, and support the local economy. Rest in peace to any businesses, local and or uh, nationwide that have faltered under this. I believe Pier 1 is the most recent one that I've heard. Uh, and then also a local California sandwich shop specialties. Um, today was their official last day, so uh, they will no longer be around as well. So hopefully we can minimize that by supporting these local businesses through all of this uh, craziness going on. Um, let's go and wrap things up really quick. Uh, Michael, if our listeners want to watch any of your EUSL matches, or if they want to just hear what your thoughts are on any social media, share with them what you want to share. You don't have to, but if you want to share any of that, go for it. This is your chance. Uh, everything, all my social media is going to be um, mrod32 underscore. So that's for Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, um, tweet soccer, movies, music, stuff like that. So yeah. And, and you can watch his EUSL championship matches on his Twitch channel uh, and hear his excitement and or disappointment in those matches throughout the season yes. uh, and, and have some fun with that. Uh, Alan, what about yourself? A Underwood 48 on the Twitter machines and Twitch. 
I guess now. Maybe there's a thing. Don't look confused when you mention that Twitch thing. Uh, Dylan, what about yourself? You can find me on Twitter at OCSE underscore Dylan or on Reddit slash U slash OCSE underscore Dylan. Perfect. And uh, you can follow myself on Twitter at DJ Race More. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at OCSE underscore SoccerCast. You can look for the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, um, Twitch, Twitch. Uh, there's a bunch of places you can find us, YouTube, look for us anywhere. Go to our website, ocscpodcast.com, to find links to all of those wonderful things. Also, if you want to listen to any of our past episodes, you can do so there or on any of your favorite podcast sources. Um, hey, Ray? Yes, Alan. Uh, Ray? I, I, what's up? Ray? Are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from? I, you know, hey, let me tell you this. I am. I, I am. I am. And we're working on it. I'm trying to get a unique jersey. Tell tell our Are listeners you, how we're working on that. I mean, we're currently looking at a completely custom kit for our EUSL team, but you can get one for your youth club, Sunday League squad, or even pro team. You can get them now, so they'll be ready to go when you hit the pitch, when restrictions are lifted, and you can find you can find that custom kit at Icarus FC, and they can help create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. You can get one of these Orange County kits if you hit up Ray. Uh, we're trying to put together an EUSL kit for Orange County. It is great. Um, you need to get this because uh, when you see it in person, you're like, "How do I get one of those?" This is how you get one of those. You let them design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Way to ad-lib that, Alan. Way to ad-lib that. Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on the final stuff. I'm, I'm going to get a final mock-up from Icarus FC. Uh, I'm going to shoot out their images of it so you can see what it'll look like. You can. Uh, we'll, we'll have a way that you can place an order if you want to get one of them. Uh, and the cool thing is uh, Dylan, Alan, and myself, we all sort of – put our thoughts into what it should look like. And it's something you definitely will be able to buy and wear to the matches once we can go back to Championship Soccer Stadium because they'll fit right in with the atmosphere there at the stadium. You'll look like you're a, a true Orange County fan out there in these kits, which is pretty awesome. So uh, keep a lookout for those. And if uh, if we get enough interest on those, we'll do a round two with a new design. We already have some thoughts on what we want to do with that as well, which will be pretty cool. So help support the first round. And we'll get a second one in maybe next season, which will look pretty cool. Uh, for our guest, Michael Rodriguez, um, and for my co-host, Dylan, for Alan, I want to thank you all for listening to our podcast. Uh, and to our super fan, Andy, for watching our match earlier today between Michael and myself. Thank you for doing so and watching that and supporting your fellow Orange County fans. Uh, I am Ray Samore. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. You have been listening to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. For the latest Orange County SC news and information, visit our website, ocscpodcast.com. Also, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com.